So if you have your Bibles, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, we're going to go all the way through 19. Uh, we've been in this series. We've been walking through the book of 1 Peter. We've been going line by line, verse by verse, sometimes word by word. And we've just been dealing with each topic as it's come. One of the reasons that we do this is because it, it forces us to deal with, with the, sometimes the, the harder passage of Scripture, the deeper passage of Scripture. And that sometimes that's where we grow the most. And so I've entitled this message, It's Worth the Fight. Uh, this is a little bit of Simon Peter's story. This a little bit comes out of his testimony. It comes out of his story. Simon Peter would tell you it is, listen, the Christian life is worth the fight. That if, you, if you've been a Christian any length of time and you've suffered for doing good, you've suffered for making the right decision, I mean, you're a Christ follower. You're doing everything you can to make the right decision, the best decision, and it seems like you're going through problems, and I have an encouraging word for you this morning. Simon Peter would tell you this, don't quit. Do not give up. I mean, do not give up. And so he's been talking about, if you've been with us, you know this, he's been talking about this is what God says about you, this is what God has done for you, and as a result of that, just follow him. And so he's writing into this local church, and he's encouraging them because they're going through unbelievable persecution. They're going through physical persecution, he begins talking about. I mean, they're being martyred for their faith. They're being thrown in prison. They're being thrown in jail. They're being ripped out of their homes. And I mean, they're going through unbelievable persecution. Now listen, in America, you know this. We don't have to deal with physical persecution, right? Not like some other countries in the world. For instance, you can go to North Korea right now, and if they catch you with a Bible in North Korea, uh, they not only put you to death, they put everybody in your family to death all the way down to the third generation. They're doing everything they can right now to martyr Christians or stomp out Christianity in North Korea. But here's the fascinating thing. The church is exploding there. It's a secret church. It's a church that meets in, in homes and in places. And, I mean, the church is exploding in the midst of unbelievable physical persecution. Now, listen, in America, we don't have to deal with that, right? We deal with a different type of persecution. Sometimes it's kind of an emotional persecution to where people can insult you or degrade you or talk about your faith or your biblical beliefs or being a Bible-believing Christian and taking biblical values and applying them to your life. And this is what Simon Peter begins talking about today. See, Simon Peter deals with both. He talks about physical persecution, but he also talks about emotional persecution to where you may be, uh, go through difficult things because a decision that you've made that is the right decision is a good decision. You may be ostracized or, or pushed aside. You may lose a job. You may miss a job promotion. You may miss out on a relationship. You may go through a difficult time because of your beliefs. And so this is what Simon Peter is talking about. And he's talking to us about this issue of problems. When, when problems come in your life, if you're not careful, you may be tempted to quit. You may be tempted to, to bail on church, to bail on reading of Scripture. And Simon Peter is telling you, guess what? It is worth the fight. It is worth the battle. Stay in the game. Continue to follow Christ because this is what he's done for you. This is what he said for you. And continue to follow him. So we pick up the story in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. I'm going to read all the way through verse 19. And so these passages are working all the way down to verse 19. And I'm telling you, this is part of Simon Peter's story. This is part of his testimony. This is huge to him. This is what he writes. He says, beloved. In other words, we, we know what that word beloved means. He's talking to believers. He's not talking to non-believers. He's talking about people within the church. He's talking to Christians. He's talking to believers. He says, believers, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. As though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed 
because the spirit of glory and of God rest upon you. Only two times in the New Testament you see that phrase. He's talking about when you go through problems, when you go through problems for doing the right things, for making a stand for Christ, guess what? God's spirit rests on you. I mean, it's just huge, that statement. And then he goes on and he says, but let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him be not ashamed. Let him glorify God in that, in, in that name. For it is a time for judgment to begin at the household of God. If it begins with us, what will, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Here's verse 19, huge verse. He says, therefore, because of all this stuff that I've said from verse 12 to here, therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will, according to the right reasons, According to being a faithful follower of Christ, let all those who suffer for God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while continuing to do good. Don't stop. Don't give up. Simon Peter is saying over and over through this book, listen, Christianity, it is worth the fight. It may be hard at times. It may be difficult at times. It may be challenging at times. You may be insulted for your faith. You may be criticized for your faith. Some people may malign you, misjudge you, make fun of you. But Simon Peter is saying, listen, I'm telling you, it is worth the fight. So this morning, when, I just want to give you four things about when you and I go through problems. And not if, but when. When we go through problems, when we go through challenging circumstances, there's four things that we have to do. It's so important. I mean, these are mental decisions that we have to make. The first thing is this, when you go through problems, you have to refuse to be surprised. You have to come to the place that, you know what, you almost have to expect it. You almost have to come to the place when you and I go through problems, you have to refuse to be surprised. Verse 12, we'll just read that one more time. It says, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. As though something strange were happening to you. Sometimes that's easier said than done, right? It's easy for me to stand up here and, and even as I listen to myself say this and say, hey, when you go through problems, don't be surprised. Why is it we're always surprised? Why is it when we go through, and, and like Simon Peter, he's not saying it's a small problem. He, he describes it as it's a fiery trial. In other words, fiery, the word fiery means pain, right? I mean, it, it, I mean it's a fiery trial. It means pain, but it also means this. It's also the picture. So he uses the language that was used in like conversational Greek in their day that like a metal worker would use, that he would take a piece of metal and he would heat it up to the place to get all the impurities out of the metal so he could forge that, that piece of metal into a shovel or a stake or a spear or a tool so it could be used for a useful purpose. And Simon Peter is saying, listen, sometimes problems that we go through is it, to purify us. It's to strengthen us. It's to develop us. And so he's saying when problems come your way, listen, when problems come your way, believer, do not be surprised. We live in an evil world. We live in a fallen world. We live in a world that is like upside down, that is anti-Christian or anti-Christian values, especially in America, right? And don't be surprised. See, there's, there's this myth. There's this myth that, that we've kind of been fighting since the 80s, but there's this myth in the local church that simply says this. That if you just follow Christ, if you, if, you, if, if you follow him, 
then he wants you to be healthy, wealthy, and prosperous, and happy all the days of your life, and like nothing bad ever going to happen to you. See, this was ushered in, I think, sometime in the 80s, when a group of churches got together, and they thought, you know, the way to spread the gospel is we'll just market Jesus. If we just like market Jesus, and market Jesus, and Christianity like a product, and if we don't talk about the hard stuff of Scripture, we just kind of talk about the happy verses, you know, the three happy hops to heaven, you know, how to have a stress-free life, and all those other things, then we'll, we'll spread the gospel gospel that way. And all of a sudden, this issue like prosperity gospel just all of a sudden entered onto the scene. And as a result of that, there's this brand of Christianity that simply says that if you're a Christ follower, if you just follow him, you'll never go through problems. You'll never have struggle. You'll never have difficulty. Listen, let me tell you something. This is not what the scripture says. It's not what the scripture even talks. That's not even the gospel. When you market something, listen, if I try to market my truck to you or car to you, uh, if I try to market a beach vacation to you, then I'm going to tell you the good stuff, right? I'm going to tell you about the beach. I'm going to tell you about the sun. I'm not going to tell you about the part that you may be robbed. If you drink the water, you're going to be sick for like days. I'm not going to tell you about any of the other stuff. Jesus Christ, Simon Peter, they were up front. They were up front. They were up front about the cost of following Christ, what it meant to be a Christ follower, what it meant to continue to just stay, see, and, not, uh, and understand that, less, guess what? We live in a world that is not perfect. And when problems comes, the first thing you have to do, when you deal with problems, you have to refuse. I mean, you have to refuse to be surprised. And listen, a lot of us will say, you know what? I don't buy into the prosperity gospel. I don't buy in. I mean, I, I get it. I understand that. But if we're honest, sometimes. When we go through problems, we're like, really? Like, really? I got it. Really? God, do you not see what I'm doing for you? Do you not see how I've stood for you? Do you not see the decision? I mean, I, mean, I, mean, I know some people. They don't even claim to be a God follower. And it seems like their life is easier than mine. That's why Simon Peter says you, you have to refuse to be surprised. I mean, even Jesus, right? Jesus was perfect. And Jesus, Jesus lived a perfect life. He, he didn't sin. And people criticized him. People misjudged him. People maligned him. In fact, is one of the most interesting snapshots of Jesus' life that, that is talked about not as much as the other miracles. I believe it was like a huge miracle that we just don't talk about. In Luke chapter 4, uh, Jesus is asked to, like, be a, to be a, a guest preacher at a bunch of churches in, in the area. And, and so it was a big day. Jesus was going to be there. And Jesus walks into the synagogue and he opens up the scroll and he preaches this message. And, and I mean, well, let's just read it for ourselves. Here's what it says. He's, Luke chapter 4, verse 28. It says, when they heard these things. So this is like at the conclusion of, of uh, Jesus' message. Instead of prayer response, they wanted to kill him. And so watch this. It says, when they heard these things and all in the synagogue, they were like filled with wrath. I mean, they're angry. They did not like Jesus' sermon at all. 
And they rose up and drove him out of town and brought him to the brow of a hill on which their town was built so that they could throw him down a cliff. Now, listen, I've actually stood on that cliff, and I'll stand on that cliff in January, but I've actually stood on that cliff. He's preaching in a church and in Jerusalem. They, they march him up to the Mount Precipice, which is, which is this mount, and it's right, on the, it's right on the edge of the Valley of Armageddon and to where when you stand there and you see that if someone pushed you over that cliff, it would be immediate death. I mean, I mean you are going to die. And so they, they brought him to that cliff. And listen, I, I, didn't, pr- I didn't print out and, and have for you verse 30. Let me, let me just tell you verse 30, and we'll pick it up in verse 31. And here's the amazing thing. Verse 30 tells us in that text that Jesus, and we don't know how he did it, but Jesus passed right through the cloud of the crowd, going his own way, having nothing more to do with them. It's not a picture that we have of Jesus, right? I mean, all of a sudden, Jesus understood, you know what? I, I, I'm not going to be able to change these critics. I'm not going to be able to convince them. And we don't know how Jesus did it. We don't know if Jesus kind of just disappeared from physical state to like a spiritual state and a spirit state, and he just kind of like floated through them. We don't know if the crowd got so angry to where they didn't even realize Jesus was walking through the crowd and having nothing more to do with them. But the phrase that really caught me is Jesus went on his own way. And then verse 31, the, the scripture says this. It says, and he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath, and they were astonished at his teaching, for he, his word possessed authority. Jesus came to the place, and he understood that, you know what, the easiest thing for some people to do is, like, criticize, right? Just criticize other people, insult other people, malign other people. Spiritual maturity, what Simon Peter is saying, spiritual maturity in your life and spiritual maturity in my life is when we come to the place where we're more, listen, we are more concerned with what Christ thinks about us rather than what the critics think. We would rather stand with Christ than stand with the world. That we come to this place to where we understand that, you know what, I'm going to go on my own way. And I'm going to continue to follow Christ regardless, regardless of what the, regardless of what the critics say. And because in any crowd, there's always somebody that's going to criticize. There's always someone that's going to misjudge. Um, I, <laughs> that was real to me like before Thanksgiving. Before Thanksgiving, I needed to, to mail a package uh, to my mom. And listen, I, I, I went to the post office. I did not want to go. That is nothing against any of you postal workers at all. But uh, the post office is just not a place that I like to go around the holidays because it's like, it's like you go in there and like nobody's happy, right? I mean, everybody's mad. All the pe- packages that are being delivered and long lines and this whole deal. And so I walk in and it's an amazing thing. I thought revival was happening in there. The postal workers are like happy. And I mean, they're, they're like behind the counter and they're laughing and they're engaging people and they're talking about their Thanksgiving. They're talking talking about Christmas, and I'm like, this is a fun experience, but there's this man in front of me, an elderly man, and I could tell just by his physical appearance, this man is angry. This man is like really angry, and he's getting more agitated as, as time goes, and then all of a sudden he steps up, and it's his time, and I'm thinking, you know what? This man's going to be happy now. I mean, his time. It's his time about ready to go, but they started greeting some people, and all of a sudden this man, he yelled out, and I mean, he yelled loud enough where we all could hear it, and this man yells out, and he says, enough with the pleasure trees. I am sick of this. Do your job. Take the package. Take the letter. Mail it. We're not here to make friends. We're not here to get to know one another. Just do your job. I'm sick of this. We all looked at him and sang a Christmas carol. (laughs) No, we didn't do that part, but but you know what? It doesn't matter. Listen, it does not matter what you do. 
There are going to be people around you that criticize you. There are going to be people around you that insult you. And Simon Peter is saying, listen, as a follower of Christ, when problems come in your life, not if, when, do not be surprised. Why is it? Why is it when problems come in our life? We say, this is so strange. I mean, Simon Peter says, don't act like something strange is happening to you. Do not act that way. Do not be surprised. Understand at a spiritual level, God, God may be trying to do something in your life. God may be trying to do something. Listen, I'm, I'm just telling Well, let, let's move on. And so the second thing is this. Not only refuse to be surprised, you have to refuse to be negative. And you have to, listen, I'm telling you, you have to refuse to be negative. Because I think, I think problems are like a, a Petri dish of negativity. It's like it can, it can just, it can, if you're not careful, it can spread into a family. It can spread into a church. It can spread into relationships. It can spread into a business. It can spread into marriage. It, it can spread into every. I mean, it is so difficult when you go through problems to all of a sudden you become cynical. All of a sudden you become ne- negative. All of a sudden you can become like that, like that man that is on the, in the post office is just angry because people are happy. That, that you become so negative you can't even see the positive. You can't even see what's going on. And so Simon Peter in verse 13, he just moves on and he says, he said, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. And so Simon Peter is trying to help them to understand that God is doing something for his glory. God, there is, there is something else happening, whether it's in your life or their life, or there's a deepening that's happening. And so, so we're just clear this morning. The scripture never says that we should enjoy problems. Never says that. See, there's, there's a difference, and you can look this up for yourself, but there is a difference in definition between enjoyment and rejoicing. See, the Bible never says that we should enjoy our problems. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says we should rejoice in our problems. Just the definition, just real quickly, so we're tracking this morning. Enjoyment simply means this, to get pleasure out of something. I mean, if you're around a Christian and they're, they're like going through suffering and they're like, ah, oh, we're just enjoying that, you know, join this, you know, look out, something weird's going on. I mean, but, it, but, but he never talks about this issue of enjoyment. He talks about this issue of rejoicing. You know what it means to rejoice? Rejoice, just from a biblical definition, rejoice simply means this. Choosing to remain positive, choosing to have a positive attitude in spite of difficult circumstances. It's hard. It's hard. There are situations that we have gone through as a family, and I've been real transparent about some of those, that we have walked through, and we have consciously had to say, we are not going to become negative. We are not going to become cynical. We are, listen, it is, it, is, it is worth, it is worth the fight. It is worth the fight. In some of our problems, some of the dark seasons of our life, whether it's health challenges with our family, whether it's through foster care and adoption and some other things that we've walked through, and you, many of you know those stories. I mean, in, in those seasons, at dinner time at our table, begin to look totally different, and we'd go around the table, and we would have to list three things that we're happy about, things, three, things, three things that we're thankful for. 
three things that we could focus on because there's something about when you and I go through problems, if you're not careful, you focus on the negative and not the positive. Like that man in the post office, he wasn't focused on anything positive. He wasn't focused on the positive, the great customer care that was happening. People were happy. People were sharing stories. He wasn't focused. You know what he was focused on? He was focused on the negative. And who knows what was going on in his life? And who knows what he was focused on? But I'm telling you this morning, Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 5.16, he says, rejoice always. I'm telling you, that's a, that, that's a command. That's, that's what is called an imperative of Scripture. It's a command. It's a command, and rejoice, remember, simply means to try to find something positive. Try to find something positive in the situation. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstance, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And so if you're here this morning and says, hey, I'm just kind of wondering what is God's will for me? It's kind of plain right here, right? I mean, he says it. He states it. This is God's will for you. You'd be able to rejoice. Guess what? Rejoice in all circumstances, in all situations, by giving thanks and prayer. Prayer without ceasing and connect with him. Now, I'm telling you, if you right now, if you're, if you're walking through problems and you're walking through people that are misjudging you and criticizing you and insulting you and all of those other things, if you want to mess with them, you know the easiest way to make them mad, the easiest way to mess with them? Stay happy. Stay positive. Let them know. Guess what? Let them know. You know what? My happiness, my joy does not reside with you. My joy is in something much deeper than that. And I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to find an area. I'm going to find something to be positive, whether it's what God is doing in my life. Verse 13 again, Simon Peter says, But rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. In other words, what Simon Peter is trying to help us understand is sometimes the reason that we go through problems is for our good for our development to get some of the impurities just like the metal worker would use a fiery uh, uh, a fire a fire to get the met, the impurities out of metal so it could be a useful tool he's saying the same thing about us sometimes listen sometimes painful trials knock the rough edges off of my life get some of the things out of my life to where I understand there's, there's more of a purity in my beliefs there's more a purity in following Christ there's something listen there is something about suffering that draws you closer to God. Theologically, just so, so we understand this, theologically, it doesn't draw God closer to us. It draws us closer to, uh, to, you, to him. God is as close to God to you as he's going to get. But there's something about this issue of suffering. There's something about this issue of painful trial. There's something about this issue of difficulty in our life that all of a sudden we understand, you know what? God, there has to be something more. There has to be something deeper. And it draws us closer. We have testimony after testimony after testimony of our church where people would say, you know what? It was a painful trial that brought me back to Christ. It was a painful trial that brought me to church. It was a painful trial that I walked through that I realized that God is faithful and he can be trusted and I can follow him. There's something, listen, there's something about this issue of suffering that if you suffer correctly, that bonds you closer in a marriage, that bonds you closer in a family, that bonds you closer in a people group, when all of a sudden you understand, I'm telling you, Thanksgiving at our house, totally different than it's ever been. There's something about this issue of, thank, of, of suffering to where all of a sudden you realize, you know what, you realize what's really important in life and what's not so important in life. All of a sudden, you just become thankful for all the people gathered around the table. And who cares who's late? Who cares who brought the wrong stuff? Or no, doesn't matter. There's something about this issue of suffering that draws you closer to God. And if you suffer correctly, grows you closer to one another, bonds you. 
That's, that's Job's story, right? If you know anything about the Old Testament, you know there's this guy by the name of Job. The fact is, there's a whole book written about this guy in the Old Testament. And the scripture says he was like this faithful guy. He was active in his church. He was, he was there like every day the doors opened, and he led a life group. He led in ministry. He served. He was a righteous guy. And then at a moment's notice, this Job like loses everything. He loses his health, he, he uh, loses his job, he loses his kids, he loses his income, he loses his, profe- his profession, and the only thing that is like left is his wife and his three friends, all of whom were like critical. They were all judging him and misjudging him. They were telling Job, it's because of your sin, it's because of your actions. There must be some sin in your life, the reason that this is happening to you. And so Job is like struggling through this. And then you get to Job chapter 42, and Job makes this unbelievable statement, this transparent statement that comes out of his suffering. And Job makes this statement and says, God, all of my years, like in, in Sunday school and life group and in church and, and, and talking with people, all of the years of my life I have heard about you. But now, now I've truly seen you. I mean, I've seen you in a personal way. I've seen you in a more intimate way. I've seen you in a way that I've never seen you before in my life. And Job was coming to this place that he says the issue of suffering brought me closer to God. That's what Simon Peter's saying. He says, if, if you're insulted for the name of Christ, verse 14, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and God rests upon you. There's this strength that comes. I'm telling you, there's a strength that comes in suffering. That God becomes even more real to you, becomes even more personal to you. Simon Peter is talking about this suffering that is, that is not deserved. Suffering is for making the right decision, but he also just wants to clear the air and says, says he's not talking about this, this suffering that is deserved. He says, but verse 15, like, let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer as a meddler. In other words, he's saying that sometimes painful problems come into our life as a result of, like, our behavior. Things that we say or things that we do. And, and he says, he says I'm, I'm not talking about the consequences of your actions. I'm talking about you being faithful to Christ, making the right decision. And those problems, the third thing that, that when, when problems come in our life, we have to refuse to live in shame. And we have to refuse to live in shame. I mean, that, that's the thing that Job fought. That's the thing that Simon Peter was fighting. That's the thing, so many, that's the thing that so many people have fought. Like when, when they go through problems and they know down deep, I made the right decision, I'm, I made the right choice, but all of a sudden they have critics or people are misjudging them, people are, are making fun of them for their beliefs, and something happens if they're not careful and if you're not careful to where shame can creep in to where you feel like, you know what, am, am I doing something? Am I the crazy one here? Verse 16, he says, yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. But... Man, let him glorify God. In that name. Ever thought? Sometimes the problems come into your life. So you can glorify him in front of people that you work with, in your family, so that people around you see what it means to be a Christ follower. That even in the midst, even when the bottom is dropped out of your life, and it doesn't seem like it's fair, and it doesn't seem like it's right, you, you continue to follow him? Man, back to Job. Job had plenty of critics. 
And Job's critics were saying, it's, it's because of you. It's because there must be sin in your life. There must be hidden sin in your life. You're, you're, you're not as righteous as you think. And, and Job, Job just stood the course. And Job understood, listen, Job understood that these people that are judging me, they, they don't have all the facts. They, they've not talked to, they, they don't have all the facts. And you have to refuse to feel shame and don't worry about it. That God will take care of you. Verse 16, he says, yet if anyone suffers as a Christian. So he's not talking about being obnoxious. and He's not talking about being a jerk or anything like that. He's talking about following Christ in a respectful way. And as a result of that, you, you suffer. Verse 17, he goes on and he says, for it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey God? And what he's saying again, and he's saying that there's times when, when problems are needed in our life to purify us, to draw us closer to God so some of the impurities can be like, like poured out or, or, or taken off of, of, of our life. There's sometimes that some actions or some words may need to go in our life or a deeper understanding of, of who Christ is. Listen, I, I don't know if you're like me, but there are some problems, there are some seasons that I've walked through, and I said, you know what, I, I never, ever want to go through that season ever again in my life. But I wouldn't trade what I learned in that season for anything in the world. The intimacy I developed with God, the deeper understanding of him, to know that he's faithful and true, that you can trust your soul, is what Simon Peter says a little bit later. We'll look at that. To where there was a deepening, there was a deepening that came in, a, in, in our life. And the fourth and the last thing is this, is, listen, you just have to refuse to walk away from God. And I'm here to tell you this morning, it, it is worth the fight. Sometimes the Christian life is a battle. And I'm here to tell you this morning, this is what Simon Peter said. That it, you have to refuse to walk away from God regardless of what you're walking through regardless of the questions that you may have right now. Verse 19, this is just a huge verse. You could, you could preach an entire message on this verse. Verse 19 says, therefore, so as a result of all the stuff that he said from verse 12 all the way down to here, he kind of sums it up, and he says, therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while, while doing good. This is, an, this is an interesting uh, group of scriptures here because Simon Peter is saying, you know what, when people insult you, when people mock you for your faith, don't be surprised what this is happening. I mean, this is really, really personal to, to Simon Peter. You know why? Remember when Simon Peter, Peter failed Christ, when Jesus told him, Simon Peter, I'm, Jesus is at, or Satan has asked you to sift you as wheat. And when you deny me, you know, turn back to me and strengthen your brothers. And Simon Peter's like, you know what, I'll go to the cross for you. I'll die with you. I'll never deny you. And so what does Simon Peter do? He denies him. You know why he denied him? Because he didn't want to suffer. He didn't want the insults. He didn't want people to make fun of him. He didn't want to suffer. And then Jesus reinstates him on, in John chapter 21 with a fish breakfast on the Sea of Galilee, and he reinstated him there. And, and now he writes First and Second Peter, and he's talking about this issue that God is faithful, you can entrust your soul to him, and that, that sometimes in life testing comes for a reason. And Simon Peter learned an intimacy with God, a, a belief in God to this very deep level that you can see that his life totally changed from that moment on. And he says as a result of that, there's two things that you need to do when you're going through problems. You have to continue to do good. Do not give up. 
Do not become a critic. Do not become cynical. Do not, do not throw in the towel. In other words, what he said is there is a temptation, right? When you go through problems, when you go through pain, there is a temptation, if we're honest, that, you know what, I'm just going to quit doing it. Why even try it? Why even bother? It doesn't even help. It doesn't seem like it ever works out. So what? He said, don't become cynical. Don't become a critic. Understand this. Don't get focused on your pain. Don't get focused on your problems. Don't listen. You can be so focused on what you want God to do for you that you totally miss what God is doing for you today. You can miss the blessings of today because you are living so much of your life in the future and you're focused on, I need God to do this and I need God to do this and I need God to do this. When God is doing a ton of stuff today and he's bringing blessings, that's why it was so important for our family when we went through suffering to sit around a table and list out, these are the things I'm grateful for. These are the things I'm thankful for. These are the things that I see God doing in my life today. The first thing is this, when you go through problems, you got to continue to do good. The second thing is this, while you're continuing to do good, you got to commit your life to God. You gotta commit your life to God. He makes this phrase that he says, entrust your souls to the faithful creator, to, to God. Now listen, in Simon Peter's day, everybody knew what that word entrust meant in a in a like a real way. Uh, we kind of look at it and we're like, ah, I don't really know what that means. And but in their day, in their culture, see, in their day, they didn't have banks. They didn't have banks where you'd take all of your savings, all of your money, and put it in there, and you knew that it was safe from thieves and robbers, and nobody could steal it, nobody could get it. So in their day, what they would do is, is when they would go on a trip, uh, their homes weren't very secure, and so they knew if they traveled for a number of days on a trip, someone was going to break in their home and steal all their stuff and all their money, all their valuables. They couldn't take it with them because they also knew that on a trip, more than likely they're going to be robbed. So now I can't take my valuables with me. So what they would do in their day, is before they went on a trip, they would like get all their money together, all their jewelry, their valuables together, and then they would go to a very faithful friend. And they'd go to their friend and, they, and they'd say, here, I'm giving you all of my valuables. I'm giving you all of my money. I am entrusting those to you because you're a faithful friend. And then when we return, when we get back home, then we, we will, you will give them back to us. What Simon Peter is saying is that when we go through problems, when we go through difficulties, we entrust our soul, the most valuable thing we have, to who? To God, our faithful creator, the one that has created us. We entrust him, our character, our integrity, our life, our future, where we spend eternity, and we entrust those to him. And when we go through problems, we continue to, give good, to, to do good. We understand it's worth the fight. And we continue to commit our life to him because he is faithful and he is true. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes?